What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Let's now ride. Time for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's up, Dodger fans? Hope you're having a nice offseason so far. Congrats to the Texas Rangers for advancing to the World Series and taking down the Houston Astros. If it was going to be someone, at least it's Corey Seager. First episode of the offseason, the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by Fansided. This is Kevin Klein speaking. I'm with Jake Reiner tonight. Jake, how you doing? How do you want to start off the show? Well, this is we've. I don't know if any other Dodgers fans has, has gone through this. Maybe you've gone through this, Kevin. I don't know if David's gone through it, but I feel like I've gone through the stages of, of grief. Like when you go through a breakup, you know, you go through so many different ebbs and flows of being angry and resentful and oh, upset yeah. and sad and moody and whatever. I feel like I've gone through all of those things since the Dodgers were eliminated. And I got to be honest, we'll get into it, but. What I heard from Andrew Freeman at that year-end press conference, I still cannot get over that, and I'm a little worried. Um, I'll just leave it at that to tease ahead, but that, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I, I, I've, I think I've gotten to the acceptance part of it. I don't know. What about you? I've also been dealing with the, the stages of grief, but a little different this time around. I feel like I'm a, I'm a newly single man. I've been fooling around with the Texas Rangers, sleeping with them a lot. If I'm going to be honest, like that's just what I'm doing. I'm having fun with the Texas Rangers. I feel like um, the wedding ring came off and I'm just fooling around with them every night. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, we have a we have an awesome show to kick off the offseason. We are going to talk about the Andrew Friedman press conference. So we'll probably start there. Then we are going to discuss and grade. Some guys will get good grades and some Dodgers will get pretty harsh grades. So I'm excited for that segment. And then we have some fan questions as well that were addressed to us on social media. But yeah, Jake, let me kick it back over to you because you probably have a better memory of this Andrew Friedman press conference than I do. 
So to sum it up, basically what he said was, we don't know why our offense disappears in October. We don't know why we've struggled like this for now three years in a row, pretty much. 2021 was a little bit more of a, of an effort. They did make it to the NLCS, but the struggles are very similar 2021, 22 and 23. So that was number one. Number two, we learned that pretty much the whole coaching staff is coming back. As far as I know, we know Dave Roberts for sure is coming back. So that was the other thing that he touched on. Yeah. Then he also said that they were going to make pitching a priority in the off season, which that's the only part I really did like was the fact that they're going to be focused on starting pitching because every single postseason, Kevin, even though the offense struggles, the fact that we just don't have good starting pitching in the postseason has really put us behind the eight ball a lot. And we've had to dip into our bullpen earlier than we want to guys are out of position. And that kind of sets you up badly for your offense. I mean, we look at game one of this NLDS, there was no shot in hell. The Dodgers are going to win that game. Kershaw lost in that game, pitching a third of an inning and giving up six runs. It was over. I mean, that's starting pitching right there. And you lose, you lose one game in a five game series. That's a big loss, especially at home, especially in game one. So I just didn't feel like there was, I wanted more answers from this press conference. I wanted more of why do they think that they did not do well in the playoffs? What seems to be the issue? They didn't give us any sort of solution. In fact, the only person that really said anything of note was Max Muncy afterwards on another podcast called foul territory, where he basically said that the approach he's speaking just of the offense, but the approach at the plate, during the regular season, as we've talked about over and over again, has been work to count, get on base, pass the baton, all of those things that we always discuss. That was their game plan in the regular season, but they had found out that teams had had success with this sort of free swinging mentality, and that's how they jumpstart their offense. So the Dodgers started to do that. But when they started to do that, they started to expand the zone and they started to chase pitches, and then they would miss pitches that were right down the middle. So the one thing I can say about that is if it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like, let's just stick with what, what, what got us here. And that's the part that doesn't really make sense of why they would change it to that. But then also if it's going badly, why not adjust and, and, and try and course correct. Just very, very confusing. I'm sick of these Andrew Friedman press conferences. I feel like this guy can talk for an hour straight and you don't get a single answer out of him. You you walk away from the meeting learning absolutely nothing. This guy just talks out of his ass like he should be running for politician because he's the pro at taking a bunch of questions and just spinning it in a way that doesn't actually answer it. But one thing that did stand out to me is the organizational failure. He mentioned that. This is Oh the yeah, second, that's the big that's the big quote. The second year in a row, I believe that he's called this an organizational failure. If you had literally just played over last year's press conference and had, I had no idea that there was a new one coming, I would have thought, okay, we're just listening to 2022 again, because this was literally the same exact thing he told us last year. Same exact spiel. The only difference I think this year is that he did acknowledge they do need more starting pitching. Like you mentioned, this is why I was absolutely furiated around the trade deadline because I felt Sure as hell, they did not do enough. And when we hand out our grades, oh, trust me, I got some feelings on some of these guys. And yeah, the offense stuck, stunk. You can't really do anything if you're averaging two runs a game. 
But on the flip side of things, if your offense is really struggling, then you need your starting pitching to at least keep you in the game. Like Jake said, game one was over in the first inning. Maybe the Dodgers offense, if they were actually in the game, they would have been more, more resilient. But when you're down nine, nothing after the second inning, you phone it in, you bag it, you, you pack up your bags. You're done in that game. Game two was like the classic Dodgers just shit their pants and don't do anything game. Like even though the pitching for the most part did everything right because the bullpen came through and Dave Roberts pressed all the right buttons. The offense just flat out through a stunker. But then in game three, that was a swing game. That could have gone either way. But when Lance Lynn gives up four home runs in one inning, you can't afford to go down 4 nothing early when your offense has already been sputtering the entire series. And so, yeah, they probably should have scored at least five runs. They were fully capable of it. They had their opportunities. But at that point in the series, there was a dagger through their hearts. And it was just an insurmountable deficit at that point. Uh, no other yeah. thoughts, no other thoughts really for me on this Andrew Friedman press conference, other than um, I'm a little disappointed. He doesn't really show the passion or, you know, at this point when we get deeper into off season talks, once we get more knowledge, like it's time to just shut your mouth and deliver, deliver this time. Well, that's what I was going to say about why I think this is going to be a busy off season for the Dodgers. Because if they're not going to make any changes in the front office, in the in the dugout, hitting coaches, if, if none of those are going to be different next year, then what needs to be different is the roster, obviously. I mean, that's the only thing that you can really change if you're not going to shake up anything else. I mean, I think at the very least, they should have looked at maybe considering getting a new hitting coach. I mean, if they weren't going to get a new manager, they have to have some different approach, some guy that can come in there and set up an approach, but also read the defense essentially and change course when needed. And I just don't feel like we have that sort of uh, switch up mentality. But the thing about the the pitching that's so important and something that I feel like I've I've lost sight of too because the offense has been so cold each of these past couple of postseasons is that it really does matter because if it, it, especially with this year's team and we talked about it, Kevin, this year's team would go through like five or six innings of like nothing, like just nothing. And then all of a sudden the sixth rolls around the seventh rolls around and they explode for five or six. Right. Yeah. But that's the, the only reason they won those games was because the starting pitching and the bullpen and whatever kept it close. But if you're spotting them six runs in the first or four runs in the third or four runs in the next game, that's really tough on your offense that just doesn't operate so well coming from behind on multiple days. So it goes hand in hand. I mean, granted the at bat quality was terrible. Dave Roberts talked about it. That's actually one of the things that Andrew Friedman was uh, what he talked about a lot at that press conference was how historically bad the offense was and, and specifically Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. That was the thing that he was most concerned about, which is true, but obviously it goes hand in hand. You look at the Phillies, what they what they've been able to do. Obviously, their bats came to play, but to have Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and and Ranger Suarez, those guys are studs. You know, those are horses going into the into the playoffs, and we just didn't have that. We had an unsure Kershaw. We didn't know what we were going to get, and we got literally the worst version of him of all time. Bobby Miller was another questionable one. You would have hoped for him to have sort of the Brandon Fought trajectory of this postseason, but he didn't have it. He faltered you know in the second inning 
And then Lance Lynn, you know, you're hoping for some sort of heroic, you know, dig down deep type of performance and he shits the bed, you know, and obviously in that game, much like I saw tonight in game seven of the ALCS, what were these managers doing? You know, these, their managers are backs against the wall. Why aren't we going and getting these guys at the first sign of trouble? I've never understood that why these guys are allowed to uh, allow the deficit to get that big. So those are, those are the big, the big uh, issues this postseason for sure. Yeah. You sent us the article from Jack Harris earlier this morning, second year in a row where scouts, I guess scouts. um, Yeah. Scouts basically rival executives too. And thank you. Rival executives essentially laughed at the Dodgers faces because the, the gig is up. They figured out that the Dodgers just don't make adjustments for some reason. They, and I mean, it makes sense to me why the Dodgers are so successful in the regular season. You're able to bet on talent and the Dodgers are loaded with talent. But when you actually get into the heart of a series, it's a game of adjustments. And if the Dodgers are just trying to stick with what they're doing in the regular season and the other team, like the Padres last year, the Diamondbacks this year, really do their homework and find out the Dodgers weaknesses and the Dodgers don't make adjustments. Well, then they're going to get exposed year after year. And so I don't understand why Andrew Freeman makes these press conference announcements. Like he's so blindsided by the fact that they're failing when this is the second year in a row where there's articles basically revealing the secret recipe saying it's pretty blatantly obvious that the Dodgers don't make adjustments. And, and I don't, I don't understand that. Like, what is it that they're not making adjustments or is it that they're not making the right adjustments? Because to me, it just seems like crazy that they wouldn't try to make adjustments, right? They're so analytically driven all by the numbers. You don't think that they could see what was actually happening. I mean, they're able to dissect and read these other teams so well during the regular season, but all of a sudden, Arizona starts pitching them different than they did in the regular season and they can't course correct at all. Like I just, it doesn't make much sense to me. I guess it's a combination of, of that, not doing that enough, not making those adjustments. And then also just Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, just not showing up at all. I mean, you'd think that it doesn't matter which way, like a pitcher pitches the great ones, right? It doesn't matter which way you pitch Bryce Harper or Kyle Schwarber those guys are dangerous every time they came up. Did you feel that when Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman stepped to the plate in, in these three games? Absolutely not. You didn't feel that. So it's a combination of those things. And the other thing that Andrew Friedman made a comment about was the, the pitching. Uh, most notably, you know, he was talking, oh yeah, this was the other thing, Kevin. I wanted to get your thoughts on this. He sort of made a comment about how basically we can't go out and look for like postseason performers because oh he doesn't really believe that that exists, you know? And he actually brought up Corey Seager as an example where he was like, there were some years where it was, you know, some rough years in the postseason and, and some really good years in the postseason. So you can't really predict. What did you think about that? Because that was sort of crazy to me that the, that he would have that take. It's, it's just such a cop-out answer. Honestly, I, I don't know what goes through some of these executives' heads when they say they don't buy the postseason narrative. There, there are a lot of buffoons out there that just don't believe that clutch is a thing for some reason. And what yeah, is that? 
And I, I'm sorry that your computer can't calculate clutchness. Sometimes <laughs> there's just intangibles that you can't measure. And there's certain guys like Adolis Garcia, for example, that just rises to the occasion or Corey Seager, who, yeah, he doesn't go bananas every postseason, but it seems like every three years he tees off. And that's good enough for me because that means your team's in the World Series at least every three years. And then Randy Arozarain, another great example. He just goes off. And then on the Astros, Altuve tends to step up. Alex Bregman is always in there. Jordan Alvarez, I believe, hit like 500 in this ALCS, and they lost. It wasn't his fault that they got sent home. Um, the Phillies, you mentioned Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber. You want to talk about a player that I was dead wrong about? Well, Kyle Schwarber, I'm the most wrong about ever because I thought he was overrated. <laughs> but he's better than Reggie Jackson, apparently, in October. So there's that stat. I'll take my L there. Kyle Schwarber is amazing. Um, but I did want to hit on uh, a question coming from the chat right now on YouTube, Dark Saints, and we'll just stick to one move. If you guys are the president of baseball operations this offseason, what moves you making? So Jake, tease everybody and give me one move because we'll have plenty of moves we want to talk about later on in the offseason. But we'll each give one for now. Okay. So outside of Otani, right? I mean, we, yeah. that's sort of a, that's sort of a given. So outside of going after Otani, one name that I'd like the Dodgers to pursue would be Aaron Nola. I think that he has shown that he is a dog in the postseason. Now he didn't pitch great in game six uh, tonight for the Phillies, but it wasn't a horrendous uh, output and the, and, and the Phillies were still in the game when he left. So I, I have a lot of faith in a guy like Aaron Nola. He probably is going to be expensive, but unlike Andrew Friedman, I would go after guys that have had success in the postseason. Yeah, they're not going to always have success, right? I mean, it's not going to be every single year. There are some guys like Jose Altuve or, uh, you know, a Bryce Harper or, you know, like those guys that will have those just epic postseasons year in and year out. But I would go with guys that have done it before because, I don't know what else to do. Every time they get good players, every time they get good hitters, and maybe they don't have the most postseason experience, they die in the postseason. So you got to keep going. I mean, look, the Dodgers signed J.D. Martinez, which I thought was unbelievable. He was the only guy that hit a home run in these in those three games in the playoffs. The only guy. And that guy actually has really great career postseason numbers. So I think there is something to be said for that. I'm kind of in a similar mindset as you. But with Aaron Nola potentially asking for $200 million, I'm not getting yeah, my that might be up. too much. But on that similar path, another guy that's actually now in the World Series, I'm guessing he's going to get about five years, 100 to 120 million. He raised his stock a lot because he definitely wasn't going to get that prior to being traded to Texas. But Jordan Montgomery fits the exact mold of a pitcher that I want for the Dodgers. This guy just goes out there, deals night after night. He's not going to be your flashy ace or in the Cy Young race ever, but neither was a guy like John Lester. And to me, I'm also on the same page as Jake, where I believe that there are just some guys that always rise to the occasion when the, the going gets tough. And Montgomery is another guy that, that he fits that mold for me. The Dodgers are going to need a left-handed starter. That's just the facts because they don't really have one anymore with Urias in the wherever the hell he's going. Kershaw, we, I guess, hope that they're going to bring back Clayton Kershaw, but Clayton Kershaw is not an ace anymore. If I'm going with a game one, give the ball to Montgomery over Clayton Kershaw, no disrespect right now at this point in their careers. 
Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what else to add right now about Montgomery, but I, I think he's the lefty who will be available that I prefer the most out of anybody. I don't want to really trade for Tyler glass. Now rumor is he's going to be on the market, but he's always hurt. Uh, Corbin Burns could be a great trade candidate, uh, but I'm not getting my hopes up because the brewers are the brewers. Shane Bieber, another name that could be on the trade market, but that's another guy like Clayton Kershaw who always seems to get hurt, especially around the second half. And then is unreliable. I don't really want to bank on that either. Yeah. I, I mean, th- you mentioned all these guys that have had great, great postseason success. You, we know, we know what the goal is. The goal is going to be starting pitching. I mean, Friedman said it himself. I mean, we could have guessed that, right? Yeah. Um, they just need to, they need, they need to stock up because the Dodgers always, there's always unforeseen things, right? I mean, there's unforeseen things that happen with every single team. Every single team deals with injuries and all of that, yada, yada, yada. And it's about how you weather the storm, but they need to start out with a surplus of pitching if guys go down or whatever, then they need to be as aggressive as they've ever been at the deadline. You know, I think holding on to these prospects as long as we do and not go out and get this top tier talent, it's just, it's just bad. It's bad business. I mean, it really is because you're, what you're basically saying is, is that every year you have a shot to win the world series, but you're not going for it every single year. And that to me is a weird thing because there are some organizations and franchises that never get that opportunity or only get it once in a blue moon, right? Like the diamondbacks. I mean, they're riding such a high right now. They're going to a game seven of the NLCS against the Phillies. Like they may, they may not get that chance next year. Now I think that they will, because I feel like they've got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good group there. And they, and they've obviously believe in what they have, and they're going to continue to build on that. But what I'm saying is, is that, is that if you're a franchise that gets those opportunities every single season, I'm not saying you have to empty the farm every, every trade deadline, but you really, you really need to go for it. And that's what worked so well when he went out and got Scherzer and Turner, which was like the biggest deadline splash, I think of Freeman's career, right? So far. So that's what I'd like to see more of is the adjustments is the going for it. It's the knowing that you have the team to win a world series and capitalizing on that midway through. Michael Carrillo was asking if there are any bats in particular you would trade for. I honestly haven't even really scouted the market. We've talked about Randy Rosa, Randy Rosa Reina a lot, but I would also get on my knees for probably Luis Robert, like, that is the exact guy I want. I just feel like you get him on a good team. He will just tear it up in October. Yeah. Could I mean, the only thing, the only downfall for him is, is that he he has trouble staying on the field, but you know, if he, if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's a great player and he plays a great center field and the Dodgers really need a, 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 a fix out there in the outfield. Some, you know, a big bat, a left, you know, a left fielder. Uh, they need someone like that. You know, I, I don't want to do this, you know, David Peralta, Jason Hayward, wow. kind of like, you know, it, it was kind of similar to like, um, to like a Matt Kemp type of thing where these guys were great during the regular season and then were nowhere to be found in the playoffs. And I just don't want to do that again. So I hope that they go out and get a bat because that's something that we definitely need. It's not the top priority. Obviously we talked about his pitching, but getting a bat and a solid middle of the order bat yeah. If they get Otani or not, 
I think they need to do it. I think they need to be as aggressive as possible. Yeah, that's why it's hard for me to think of bats to trade for because I assume and hope they get Otani, which is the exact bat you need. Well, yeah. uh, But then then if you get Otani, you can get a guy like, you know, isn't Tommy Pham like a free agent? He's always a free agent, so probably. Right. So you get someone like that, you know, where it's not a he's not a star player, but he's a really good player that you know can hit in the postseason. Yeah. So that will also answer questions coming on X from say it like they am one trade proposals for the Dodgers and young Jeremy three, three, four, six, one, who wanted us to discuss trades as well as we wait for uh, a special guest, although he's not special at this point, cause he's kind of recurring. We'll do this question from flip flip or flip flippy, I guess who would be your starting nine plus DH for a baseball game? Using only current NFL players. Oh my God. It'll take us forever I, to build two teams. I, so let's just try to build one. Okay. We'll do the best we can. I was going to say, let's take that. Let's take that and use it for another episode so that we can really think about that. No, we're going to, we're doing it on the fly. All I right. want to say Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray were drafted by MLB teams, right? Yeah. I'm, I'll, we'll, we'll slot them in. Was Patrick Mahomes a pitcher? He's got to be on the team. His dad was, right? Yeah, but I feel like Patrick Mahomes played baseball too. Yeah. Okay, Mahomes is our starting pitcher. Wilson, Murray, or Bats. Um, Okay, now it's time to just bet on who would be a good baseball player. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so we need someone to catch who could be a good catcher, <laughs> like Aaron Donald or something. <laughs> Screw it, let's just go with Matthew Stafford as a catcher. Yeah, okay, bank we on him to someone, throw out runners. We need someone fast in the out, we need like Tyreek Hill in the outfield. We want Tyreek Hill on our, on our team for sure, at the very least, center fielder. At the very least, he steals bases. Um, maybe Cooper Cup in left field. 
I have no idea if he can hit a baseball, but sure, why not? Sure, fine. At this point, I'm just willing to bet on Travis Kelsey. He can be our first baseman. Oh, yeah, that's not a bad idea. Travis Kelsey is a first baseman. I like that. And then we just need some athletic people in the infield. Um, shortstop, let's see. Well, we could put, we could put like Wilson, right? He's a, I, I think he played second base when he like played right. in spring training. Then he'll be our second baseman. He'll be our, our second base. Maybe, uh, uh, who did you say? Oh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. He could be the, wasn't he, in, was he drafted as an infielder? I think, I feel like he was. I honestly don't know. He can be a third okay. then. We'll put him at third. So we just need oh, an right. athletic shortstop. Um, who's pretty athletic? Like a like a Debo Samuel or something. I could see that. Oh, Christian McCaffrey. We want him on the team too. All right, Christian McCaffrey. Fine. He's our shortstop. Debo. He can play left field, and then I think we've assembled a team at that point. Tyreek's in center. Cups in right. Oh, we didn't do a DH. Oh. Um. Who's a monster? I mean, maybe Donald, Aaron Donald could be the DH. Sure, why not? Maybe he's Big Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take my chances with Aaron Donald. People in the chat are saying Tom Brady was drafted as a catcher, but he's no longer active. But that's yeah, he's not fun... active. Purdy was a catcher. All right. Well, I think that's uh, it for now. Um, hold on. I have something to bring up that I want to get your thoughts on. Cause I was trying to pull it up earlier, uh, from the Jack Harris article and it, and okay. I brought this up to you separately, Kevin, but this was just weird from Andrew Friedman that he would have this take and not be up to date on what actually occurred. So he goes, uh, this is a quote from Friedman. He goes, we would like guys to go seven innings pitch really well and be able to get the best two guys in the bullpen. He said, question is, how many of them are there? There aren't many guys going six or seven in postseason games anecdotally as I look around. And then the next paragraph says, Justin Verlander, Pablo Lopez, and Jordan Montgomery, another player included in Dodgers trade discussions leading up to this year's deadline, are all counterexamples, each providing the the kind of playoff dominance this year the Dodgers too often have lacked. So basically what he, what, what the counter argument that uh, to that is, is that yes, not only anecdotally, but statistically, there have been a lot of pitchers that have gone six, seven innings uh, in these postseason. Uh, another one that comes to mind, I think was Brandon fought. Didn't he go six innings? I mean, so there he, he went, he went deep. I remember well, there was against the, us or against the he got into the six, I think once. Yeah. Okay. So I just don't buy that, that it's sort of like, well, it just doesn't happen anymore. It's just like, well, no, that there are guys that do that. You just got to find the right ones. I mean, you thought that's what you were getting with Lance Lynn, but that, that obviously didn't happen. I'm I'm sick of these Friedman cop-out answers. This guy will come up with any excuse in the book to bail himself out of being a pussy when it comes to these trades. Sometimes you just got to pay the hefty price, Freeman. I don't know what you're so chicken about. Hoarding all these prospects is doing no, none of us good at this point. Like what happened to the guy that was aggressive? He would go out there, get the U Darvish, go out there, get the Manny Machado. Even not that long ago, like you said, he went out there and got the Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Now he's getting us chump chains with Lance Lynn and Joey Gallo. Fuck that. Honestly, just right. fuck and, that. And, and it's what's interesting is that this year was supposed to be the retool year, right? But he was the 2021 or tw- sorry, the 2022 
trade deadline. Like you mentioned with Joey Gallo, that was a weak trade deadline that we didn't get, get really anybody that helped us. Yeah. There were two guys that we got at the deadline this year that didn't even make the roster. What is that? What is the point of that? Unreal. Yeah. Enjoy free agency. I guess Ryan Yarbrough. I don't think he's coming back. I don't know why he no. would. He, I don't know why he would. Apparently they don't believe in him. Not that he would have made a difference anyways, like, or Ahmed Rosario. I don't see him coming back. Like they saw Yarbrough um, get lit up by the Rockies and they were like, yeah, you're not making the the NLDS roster, pal. Apparently. And yes, I agree with you. Dennis Gonzalez Freeman might need to get his head examined because I don't know what (laughs) is going on. I think it's time to start uh, grading these Dodgers. Chris Camello will be joining us in a minute or two. Um, I don't want to start with the good stuff right away. So why don't we just start with the bench to throw some names out there. So maybe you should pull it up too, Jake. I'm on the Dodgers 2023 baseball reference statistics page. And I'm just going to read off first the bench players that I think are worth giving a grade Um, to save everyone some time. I will quickly hand out grades on most of these guys and elaborate on a couple of my decisions. So, Chris Taylor, I'm giving him a B minus. Jason Hayward, I'm going to give him a B. Austin Barnes, this is the first one I need to pause on. Austin Barnes, you get a fucking F, bro. You were just <laughs> trash. Like, you were statistically the worst hitter in Major League Baseball this season. That's just a fact. I used to love Austin Barnes, but it's time. It's time to cut the umbilical cord send him to Kansas City for cash considerations. If we're going to pinch hit him in back-to-back years in a crucial situation, then yeah, I don't want him on my team. I want laughable. a more competent backup catcher. He's not. It's not like Austin Barnes is winning us games, so he gets an F because he was just flat-out trash this season, so he gets an F for flat-out trash. Kike Hernandez, uh, B+. Ahmed Rosario, C+. Trace Thompson, D for deuces. Uh, I can't really give Michael Bush a grade or Johnny DeLuca uh, or Colton Wong, honestly, or Yanni Hernandez um, or any of these guys, I guess. So I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, Your turn, Jake. Um, I agree with pretty much all of those grades that you gave the bench. I think that Chris Taylor, I would have wanted just a little bit more from him. I mean, with the money that we were paying him, I feel like he should have been more of a factor. And what, and by that, I mean, I, I, I wish that he wasn't a platoon player. I wish that we were, you know, paying him to be a starter. Um, so I wanted a little bit more from him. So maybe uh, you gave him a B, right? B plus. Yeah, I give him a B. B. I, I'd go B minus, you or know, maybe I, I mean, did a B minus. I think I did a B yeah. minus too, actually. Okay. Well, yeah. Then, then I agree with that. I, I feel like it, I feel like he should have had a stronger year. Jason Hayward. I, I gave him a B plus. No one expected anything from him. Um, and he really came through. It would have been an A had he shown up at all in the postseason. Um, Austin Barnes. Yeah. That's a big F bro. That is, that is just bad. That's a bad job. Um, I had talked about Austin Barnes all season long. They've used him in the ways that I wanted them to only a few times, but I feel like he could have been utilized more in this bunt role, this sort of pitcher hitting role. I mean, he wasn't getting a hit anyway, so might as well make it a productive out. I thought the same thing uh, tonight, kind of weirdly about Johan Rojas from the Phillies. It was like that guy's hitting 098 in the postseason, and he comes up with a runner on in less than two outs. 
Why aren't you bunting him over? I mean, I don't understand. He, you're, he's going to get out anyway. Nine times out of 10, statistically nine times out of 10, he's not going to come through. So if that's the case, if he's failing 90% of the time, lay down a goddamn bunt and get a productive out. So that's why Austin Barnes gets an F. Um, Kike Hernandez, I'd give him an A minus just because he brought the he brought a lot of passion back. And also the A minus comes from him showing up at the postseason. Again, we should keep him around. Keep all these guys around that have delivered in the postseason. Stop getting rid of these guys. We need them. Uh, so I'd like to keep Kike. And uh, Ahmed Rosario, yeah, he was great when he first came over. But yeah, C+. Plus. You gave Trace Thompson a D. I'm giving him an F. It was just a bad, uh, you know, bad bounce back year. We thought we got lightning in a bottle with him. And it turns out to be only a flash in the pan. So see you later, pal. And I'm not going to give a grade to any of the other guys. For sure. The chat pointed it out and it is being confirmed online as well. It looks like Dusty Baker retired. Wow. No way. Can we talk about Dusty Baker for a second? Sure. Same thing with Dave Roberts in the final game. It's just like, what what are you doing? This is the last game of your season. Why are you? I mean, I think this was much more egregious from from Dusty's point of view, because at least Dave Roberts showed a quick hook in the other games that, that, that were in that series. He just didn't do it in game three, but Dusty Baker to sit there and let that guy France, JP France, just absolutely die out there. I mean, what at the first in a game seven, an elimination game, the first sign of trouble, you get that bullpen going. I don't know. It's so simple to me. It's just like, anytime a pitcher gets in trouble, you get someone up, someone ready so that as soon as that guy looks like he's not going to come through, then you yank him. And then the second thing that pissed me off about him tonight was how are you going to pitch to Adolis Garcia? That guy has owned your franchise. Walk him. The D-backs did a great job tonight of neutralizing uh, Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. In the first inning, Merrill Kelly basically put those guys on. He's like, you guys aren't going to beat me. I'm going to go after the 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 other guys in the order and give myself one less uh appearance against the best hitters in this lineup. I don't know what Dusty Baker was doing, but he it's not that he lost them the game, but he yeah. definitely contributed to them being eliminated tonight. Yes. Your boy Christian Cy Young Javier lost them the game. Yeah, but what it a just disappointment. Was, it was just a trickle down effect after that. He pulled a Kershaw. That's just the facts. He pulled a Kershaw. That's what I'm going to have to call that from now on. I don't think ever in my life I've seen a pitcher go a third of an inning to get one out in any postseason start. And then Kershaw and Javier pulled off that feat in one season. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And the thing with Christian Javier is that for whatever reason, he was a postseason stud. He has been. And then Mm -hmm. tonight it was just which is crazy. I mean, I, I thought the opposite was going to happen. I thought that he was going to dominate and then Max Scherzer was going to get destroyed. Um, Jake, all right, Jake, I'm going to let you pick off the category for the next grades in just a second. You can do starting pitchers. You can do positional starters or you can do bullpen. Those are three options for you. But we're going to pause right here real quick because I've been seeing ads for them on television and they sponsored this podcast. But TickPick is growing large. What can I tell you, folks? With the NBA season literally starting Tuesday night, that's tomorrow, the Lakers 
tip it off in Denver. Then they come back home. I believe they're playing the Suns. This is your chance to get tickets on TickPick. Or if you live in the vicinity of the World Series, you can get your World Series tickets on TickPick as well. Or if you're like me and you're an avid concert goer, telling you no service fees at checkout, the lowest prices on the market, download the TickPick app. You can get your tickets to those events right away. Jake, any other uh, additional comments on TickPick? Oh, they're terrific. I was able to get so many great deals during the regular season uh, for the Dodgers. I found some great field level seats for just $88 a piece. The no fees thing is amazing. Um, Highly, highly recommend. Um, Okay, so the next category we're going to go over is the bullpen. Um, There's a lot of guys to go over. So I'm just going to go over these guys real quick and just give a grade for like the the sort of the, the meat of this bullpen um, Shelby Miller, uh, first off uh, a, a or a plus, whatever. He was great. Terrific in the regular season, terrific in the postseason. a real shining star in that bullpen. Uh, Michael Grove C plus. He was a horrendous starting pitcher, but kind of found his way in the bullpen. Uh, Dustin may can't really give him a grade. Noah Syndergaard F obvious reasons. Uh, Jake Reed. No uh, Julio Rios F for obvious reasons. Uh, Dylan Covey, Gavin Stone, Gus Varlin, not really going to give that many grades to them. Didn't wander Suero, no. Uh, uh, Phil Bickford, um, C plus, but the only reason he's a plus is because of that unbelievable job he did where he pitched a, a, bunch, of di- a bunch of innings, like three or four innings in a row, and the Dodgers ended up winning that game. I forget who we were playing, but um, let's see. Justin Brule, no. Lance, Lance oh, no. We're not going to say the starting pitchers yet. Uh, Victor Gonzalez, uh, let's give him a, a D. He was not very good. Um, Joe Kelly, I would give him a B minus. I mean, he wasn't really that available, but he pitched all right. Um, Caleb Ferguson, oh yeah, uh, he was so up and down. I'm going to give him like a B slash C. Um, definitely going to, you know, he was he was pretty bad, but he's also pretty good at sometimes. Um, I know I just mentioned a lot of names, but there's a bunch more to get to, but it's kind of halfway through, uh, anybody that you wanted to highlight, Kevin. All right. So I will go down the list as well. There are a couple names. I'm going to highlight Shelby Miller, giving him an a Michael Grove. I'm giving him a D dude was dog shit. Hope they trade him in the off season. Jake Reed, not app. No, not, not, not worth mentioning. Gus Varlin again, Wander Swirl. Eh. Hudson and eh. Tanner Scott and eh. Phil Bickford. I'm going to give him a D as well. Uh, he was just kind of dumb. If I'm being honest, I just, just kind of <laughs> felt dumb watching him pitch. He was pretty bad. Most of the season, he had one legacy game, which we'll get to in the incline Dodgers awards later on. We'll announce all those nominees and categories later on, but uh, giving Phil Bickford a D given Justin Brule a D uh let's see victor gonzalez also giving him a d man there's just a lot of like junk in this bullpen nick robertson giving him a d joe kelly i'll give him a solid b caleb ferguson he gets a solid b uh there were some up and downs like jake said but overall um i liked him daniel hudson hardly got to know you this season ryan brazier a plus just what a fucking menace he was yeah i'll just go along with along with you for this one a plus for for brian brazier Alex Vesia, he gets a D minus. If there was one Dodger who I think got the most, are you kidding me? Shout outs for just driving me nuts. It was Alex Vesia this season. He was abysmal in the first half and then they just didn't use him in high leverage. So it was kind of fool's go gold. 
uh, Ryan Yarbrough, C, Yancy Almonte, C minus. I think they're going to DFA or non tender him. He just continues to get hurt when they need him most. Evan Phillips, solid A, and Bruce Star Gratterall, A plus. Another standout candidate. What a just classy gentleman. And he actually showed heart in the postseason. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with uh, Phillips, Brazier, um, Miller, and Gratterall, all of them A, A plus. I mean, they were just terrific pretty much the whole season. Um, but obviously, major shout out to Bruce Dark Gratterall. Kind of a breakout year for him. I think this is what the Dodgers were all waiting for for Bruce Dark Gratterall. And I'm so happy that he was able to do that. Also, had that beautiful moment with his mother in the stands. That was awesome. Um, that she got to see him pitch for the first time. So just just a magical year for him. But uh, let's. Uh, you want to welcome on Chris Camello, who's uh, who's hanging out with us tonight. Chris Camello in the building. He must be very stoked for Lakers basketball season in less than twenty four hours. Chris, you you dropped in in the middle of us handing out grades to the Dodgers players so far. We covered bench players. You didn't miss much. We just did bullpen. Uh, to sp- to save us some time, if there were a couple relievers you wanted to give a quick shout out to, I'm going to pass it over to you, and then we're going to move on to the next tier that will be my choice. Right on. Well, thanks. Thanks again for having me on and stuff like that. I, I wasn't sure if you guys were talking about uh, the Rangers uh, winning the American League Championship Series, but we'll save that for another time later on. Uh, yeah, no, I agreed with a lot of what you guys said. Uh, there were guys that had some really good seasons, breakout seasons as far as relievers for the Dodgers. Uh, Ryan Brazier, to me, was the story of the bullpen this year. This was a guy who was DFA'd by the Boston Red Sox. What do you have, like a seven ERA in 20 games? <clears throat> Clearly, uh, it, he was this year's version of Chris Martin, I think. But the sample size was, was larger. And uh, he reminded people why he was such a big part of that bullpen, especially during that championship year in 2018. Uh, while he didn't appear much in the World Series against the Dodgers, the first rounds against the Yankees and the Astros he was huge for Alex Cora in that bullpen. So shout out to him. He found his stuff again this year. Um, I think another guy that I was impressed with as far as the bullpen went this year was, call me crazy on this, Alex Vesia from June to the rest of the season. This guy had a disastrous season in the making. Went down to AAA, came back up, found his stuff. So I think going from the arc from where he was in April and May to where he ended up in September, he was rock solid and got back to not quite where he was at in 2022, but close to that. So I thought it was a, it was a good season for him. And of course, Gratterall Phillips, they, they were solid. Um, you know, Ferguson started off the year good and then kind of uh, trailed off. But overall, you, the one thing you can't blame on the Dodgers losing in the first round to Arizona was the bullpen. They were fantastic. Hundred percent. And Maria G asked a good question: Has Bruce Argraderall had a bobblehead night? Because if he hasn't, he's earned one for twenty twenty four. I think so. Oh, yeah. they'll definitely have one. I don't think he has yet. I could be mistaken. Um, any? Do you want to refute any of what he said about Alex Vesia, Kevin? I know you uh, no, gave him a pretty poor grade. Listen to the con. Text. No one's doing that tonight on social media. It's getting a little annoying. Well, we heard. Guys. We heard you, Chris. Okay. Second good. half, baby. Second half. Thank you. From June on. That's it. June on Vesia. April, May, bum Vesia. June yeah. on good Vesia. Yeah, I mean, 
we don't need to get into a full debate about Alex Vestia. Chris and I can just <laughs> agree to disagree. He just wasn't really pitching in high leverage the entire second half. So to me, it was kind of deceitful. Like, I don't care that he looks good in 10 nothing ball games or down eight nothing. When it when it was high leverage, he really wasn't that good. He just honestly never won the Dodgers back, in my opinion. He made the postseason roster, so good for him. I believe he still gave up a home run in the postseason anyways, but it kind of got lost in the mix of things because Kershaw and Sheehan gave up nine runs or whatever, but it's not like Alex Vesey was given any opportunities to shine. Um, so if he's on the roster in 2024, I don't know if they'll bring him back, honestly. They might trade him. They've done that before with guys. Yep. Maybe it's a redemption story. Um, but I want to get into this Dodgers starting pitchers now. There's, there's a couple guys that I have to really uh be tough on but Clayton Kershaw I mean I'll give him a B I'll just give him a solid B like I don't need to really elaborate Bobby Miller I'll give him a B as well the one thing that I would have liked to see more out of Bobby Miller is better control improvement on the strikeout stuff occasionally he got into some jams and it seemed to like defeat him but I, overall really impressive rookie season for Bobby Miller Julio Arias he gets an F Adios, motherfucker. You really screwed us over. Rot in hell, you just stinking asshole. Um, I never want to see your ugly face again. Just get the fuck out of my life. Julio Arias, you burned the Dodgers big time. And when they needed a proven game two starter, you fucked us in the... You just fucked us. I'll leave it at that. <sighs> okay. Tony Gonsolin. This is another puzzling one. I'm going to give him a C because he literally pitched most of the season with a torn UCL. And that kind of wants that kind of wants me to pivot to another direction real quick. Why was Dave Roberts calling Tony Gonsolin out time after time when he was pitching with a torn UCL, saying he wasn't going deep enough in ball games for us? I mean, goddamn, what is? I don't know what yeah. what phrase this. I, I'm just so rattled. Like, the, talk about hip, hypocrisy or whatever. Like you, yeah. You I know, mean, if. If if they knew that about his arm and knew that 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 he was kind of sacrificing his body to be out there, why would you criticize the guy yeah, for not going like, deep in the game? Why? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't get it. So, well, um, either he didn't. I, then you have to wonder: Did he really know what was going on? And I want to point something out. This is a bigger issue now. This is two years in a row when a pitcher has not looked right, and then we don't find out for months that he's actually hurt. You know, we found out last year with Walker Bueller in June after that disastrous Mets loss. I was at that game. And then he has Tommy John. Same thing with with Gonsolin. It wasn't until what? April, September, we found out he had torn. Like, why aren't you if you guys know these dudes need surgery, why not just have the surgery? There there has to be a financial component to this, right? It was. There was. They said they they said that uh, Tony had some incentives that he wanted to reach. So it was, it was financially driven. Then I got to imagine go. it was the thing with Bueller and, and it, it had to have been MVP uh, aspects for, for Otani, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. I guess. Anyways, I'll let you guys get back to those guys if you want. A I, I'm just going to. Okay. So I know that, I know that Kershaw had a horrendous postseason and pitched one horrendous well, game. I'm not done with my grades. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry yeah. I'm, I'm getting to the main event right now. Noah Syndergaard, F for total failure. Lance Lynn, F. 
or nope. sorry, did I call him Lance Lynn? I meant Matt Latos because that's who I was watching. This was the worst Dodgers pitching acquisition acquisition since Mark Henderson, Matt Latos, George Sherrill. He gets to fit that tier. He has the same exact body build as well. Maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe not. David Wells, throw him in there. Matt, or yeah, I called him Matt Latos because he was that fucking bad. Lance Lynn was one of the worst starters I've ever seen put on a Dodgers uniform. Who did he beat? He beat absolutely nobody. He ganged up on the Oakland Athletics and Detroit Tigers. Whoop-de-doo. He got his ass handed to him by the Miami Marlins, who couldn't score shit in the postseason. He got obliterated by the Atlanta Braves. And then he's the only pitcher ever to give up four home runs and one single postseason inning. And he had to do that in a goddamn Dodgers uniform. Lance Lynn was fucking awful. They're going to decline his option without a doubt. And he will probably go sign for some. He'll probably pitch for the Oakland Athletics, if we're being honest. Um, And Emmett Sheehan. He was really good. I'll give him a, I'll give him a B. I liked Sheehan. Gavin Stone, D, he's got some work to do. And Dustin May would have gotten an A, but out for the season in May. So I guess I'm just going to have to give him a, a question mark because it'll always be an unknown with Dustin May. Okay, I'm done. Okay. I just want to go, well, let's start with Lance Lynn because that was pretty, uh, pretty fiery. Um, I would give Lance Lynn a D because- That's fair. Because he did help us this season, whether you want to admit it or not, he did go deep into games. He was one of the only starting pitchers that did that. So for him eating those innings and being a horse that we needed, he didn't always pitch well. And yeah, he gave up a shit ton of home runs and that was upsetting. And obviously we know what happened in game three of the NLDS. But other than that, he really didn't do much for us. Um, He was an innings eater. Looked like he was also an eater, eater too. But um, he honestly just was 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 not good when we needed him. Uh, David had all the false confidence in the world uh, for him. I wish he was here tonight because he'd be able to defend himself. But there's really not much you can defend. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. Um, for Kershaw, I you gave him a B, but I would actually give him an A. Um, he had a 2.48 ERA, I think, or, or definitely under 2.50 ERA this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pitched with a bum shoulder and he had a really great regular season. He just had a, had the worst start of his life in one in the most crucial Oof. game of the year. Oh man. That honestly was just the most shocking, horrendous thing ever. Yeah. My um, soul left my body. But again, you know, it's the front office, not putting us in a position to yeah. succeed. Like, yeah, we can grade them too. Not even starting game one. Yeah. You yeah. know, similarly when you, you rewind all the way back to when the Dodgers didn't have that, those guys, those good guys coming out of the bullpen, those Ned Coletti teams with Donald Manningly and Kershaw was kind of left out there. I mean, it's just, again, the same kind of issue that it's rearing its head. Um, I, I just felt like he was put in an impossible situation. Um, and, you know, he had the worst start of his life, yeah. but the rest of the grades, I, I agree with you. I think I'd give Bobby Miller, maybe more of a B plus or a minus just what he was able to do. The fact that our whole starting rotation plan went to shit. Uh, he was able to step up and, and really pitch a lot of big games for us. Again, he, he, he really was, didn't rise to the occasion in the postseason. Um, yeah, I, but uh, just to, for, for time's sake, I, I'll just agree with the rest of your takes. I didn't, didn't object to any of them. All right, Chris. Um, 
I'm not going to give out the grades and stuff like that. Um, let me just say this. I, uh, first of all, Kev, salty much? So, my goodness, the uh, Dodgers been eliminated almost two weeks now, and it, that wound is still very fresh. Um, let's yeah. not – let's not yeah. – I had to take my judge. vitamins after that. <laughs> let's not, uh, okay, that's fair. That's fine. Listen, I was upset too. Believe me, if there was anyone who went in on anybody, it was me on social media. But you can't find a lie in anything that I've said. The only thing is I'm pointing the finger at the people who are actually on the field, not the ones up in the box and not the ones uh, down in the dugout. What I will say about Lance Lynn is closer to what Jake had to say. He stabilized this rotation at a time when the Dodgers need it. Was he perfect? Hell no. We know that. But he won quite a few ball games, pitched well in quite a few ball games. Take away the Atlanta and, and the Miami start. Find a really bad start in there. Outside of those two games, where was he actually horrendous? He Can was. I count the postseason? Is that all you're banking on? That's a small sample size, dude. That's one start, and that wasn't all on him. That was also on Dave Roberts for not warming up the bullpen sooner and getting him out of there. If you want to point blame. Not to mention, four runs, just like tonight with Javier getting pulled when he did, your team at the time was still technically in the ball game. Right. So, yes, he was not good in, 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 in the playoffs. But at the same point in time, when you look at the whole scope, he stabilized the rotation at a time when the Dodgers needed it. Also, who stabilized rotation was Bobby Miller. So I'll give him a B plus and I will give mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw a B plus as well. You can't control injuries. They happen. Uh, Emmett Sheehan did a really solid job stepping up. They it, this really was a when you really oh, we think forgot about Pepeo, it, yeah. no business being in the freaking postseason, let alone winning a hundred games. And they did that. Unfortunately, they just, that first inning of game one shell shocked them and they were never able to psychologically recover from that game. And that set the negative tone for the series. The, the one thing I'll say about Ryan Pepeo is that I'm excited to see a full season of Ryan mm-hmm. Pepeo next yeah. year. I yeah, really he gets am. A he, he gets I, a I loved what I saw from him. And it and it sucks that he didn't get an opportunity to pitch uh, in oh, this series. Which which why did that not happen? Tragedy. Um, it just sets uh, him up for bad. failure. He needs that postseason. Ex- he needs that postseason experience. That sets. Him I up think for failure. also go, that goes back to my shell shock theory. When Dave saw Miller pitch poorly in Game Two, or really not poorly, but not great. Yeah. And it was obvious he didn't have his best stuff. I think that put that idea of having a First time starter in an elimination game, freak Dave out and like, you know what? Let me go with the experience. Yeah. I'll take my chances against Lynn. Yeah. Let me if he gets now. If Lynn would have scattered four runs over six innings, you could live with that. I think we could have, right? Could we have lived with that, guys? Four yeah, we could have lived six, with that. Yeah. Yeah. What what did I say the formula was? Four runs or less for the starters, two runs or less for the bullpen. Unfortunately, that didn't happen, but that was the formula for success. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think he I think he totally saw what happened with Bobby Miller and said, I, I just am not going to go to uh, I'm not going to do this and I'm going to go with the experience, which honestly, I know Kevin wasn't cool with that. I was fine with that. I really was. But but the problem is, is that he needed to be on as short of a leash as Kershaw was and Bobby Miller was in that game. And he just was not. And Dave's post-game comments about it didn't make me feel any better, which basically he said he can't predict the future. It's like, well, yeah, we know you can't predict the future, but it's your job 
to have someone ready in case this guy starts to falter. You get him out of there. You don't allow him to continue to pitch if you see that he's given up these. And and, and these weren't cheap shots either. These were massive bombs. Yeah. All right. I want to get back to Lance Lynn because I want to just refute or rebuttal what Chris was saying. Um, And then we're going to do the positional starting hitters and wrap up the show. So, Chris, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like everything you just said, I can't say at all you're wrong. Like you are correct in the way you framed it. However, it is still still falls on the front office because I wasn't looking for a Band-Aid. Like we had a giant gash just bleeding across our chest. And Lance Lynn was like a little pinky Band-Aid that we just tried to cover up our, our cut that clearly needs stitches. And that just was a recipe for failure. And so, yeah, it's not Lance Lynn's fault that he was fucking trash. That's why he's still an F. But it ultimately does fall on this organization, or as Andrew Friedman likes to call it, it was an organizational failure to lean so heavily on the Band-Aid that is Lance Lynn, who quality starts, I don't give a rat's ass, because those starts came against the Oakland Athletics, the San Diego Padres, the Milwaukee Brewers who couldn't score a run, the Detroit Tigers, like bad teams. When it mattered, he got obliterated time after time. And it's not like we can't ignore his first half either. He was shit with the White Sox. So what do you expect? That's all I got to say. All right. who You want to start, Jake, with uh, our starters now? Hitters? Sure. Let's, uh, let's talk about the bats. Uh, let's do our oh, – yeah, the, obviously, that's the only thing that's left. All right. Let's just uh, let's get quickly uh, give out some grades here to the, uh, the top starters. Uh, Will Smith. Um, I'm going to give him a B just a solid B didn't really have that great of a regular season, 19 home runs, 76 RBIs under a couple of ticks under an 800 OPS, which that was pretty decent, but 359 on base, but yeah, just didn't really, he needed to be a better number three hitter. And I wish that they had moved him down in the order a little sooner prior to the postseason, so they could have got that rhythm down. But anyway, what do I know? Um, Freddie Freeman, uh, I'll give him uh, an A-, minus. Uh, the minus being just the absolute no-show in the playoffs, but obviously he had a terrific regular season. Uh, Miguel Vargas, I'm going to give a D. That just wasn't what we wanted, pal. Um, we, needed, <laughs> we needed more from you. Um, Miguel Rojas, uh, I'm going to give him a, uh, a B uh, because he what? just was a really yeah. – he was a – Miguel Rojas, a B? B plus. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. (laughs) Plus, at least. I'm not going to take your time, but continue. Do you want me to to say why? Yeah, you you can say why. I'm going to say my piece when it's my turn. I don't want to interrupt, but I'm going to give that reaction. Well, you already did that. So here we go. Miguel Rojas. This is why he's a B. Gavin Lux gets injured, right? Freak accident in spring training. We don't have a shortstop, Okay. Here comes Miguel Rojas, one of the most stabilizing forces defensively, one of the one of the leaders in the clubhouse, one of the guys that took the rookies out shopping. He was a great clubhouse guy, and he also didn't swing the bat horrendously, wasn't great the whole season, but he honestly was a stabilizing force. It's not his fault the Dodgers didn't go out and get anybody to replace him or, or get a bat that would be better than his. That's not his fault. But he had a B, you know, he didn't have an A because he didn't have that great of an offensive season. But the fact that he was a stabilizing force as a shortstop clubhouse leader, he gets a B for me. 
Uh, I could be convinced to give him a, a B minus, but I just thought what he brought to the table was great. Uh, Max Muncie. Uh, well, let's actually, let's just go with those four for now. Anybody want to say anything about those four? I mean, I do, but Chris, do you want to say anything? Will first? Smith, Freddie Freeman, Miguel Vargas, Miguel Rojas. Yeah, I, I I think your your grades are pretty spot on. I would have given at least a B plus, if not an A minus, for Rojas because he was great defensively, was the leader of that infield, and his bat picked up in the second half of the season, providing stability at the bottom of the order. Not to mention what he brought to the clubhouse. And yeah, this guy was probably one of the better defensive shortstops the Dodgers have had. What maybe since since who since before Corey Seager? He's right? tourist. <laughs> yeah, Cesar Suarez, maybe Rafael, Rafael for call. For call. Yeah, so he, he brought that kind of defensive stability at the Dodgers. But yeah, I agree. Will Smith should have been at least a six hitter at one point, just to kind of get him going again. Smith B, Freeman A, Vargas F. He had one of the worst rookie seasons I have ever seen out of a Dodgers hitter. Not ruling him out for his career, but that was awful. He was terrible defensively, not his fault because he should be playing third, but he was terrible at second base and he just had no power. I mean, I mean, he was a walk machine at first because pitchers were trying to, you know, pitch the corners and all that. And so Vargas was taking advantage. And then as soon as the jig was up or the gig was up that he couldn't hit anything, they just threw it down the middle and it was little weak pop-ups or strikeouts. Um, yeah, he was but you guys are insane for giving Miguel Rojas a B or a B plus or whatever. What are you this, giving him? A C. You, He's you, an average player. He is. He had a six twelve OPS. Great. He was a stabilizing force defensively. You know how many playoff wins that got us? A whopping zero. I hope the Dodgers find a different shortstop. Come on, man. ASAP. <laughs> He's such a great leader that Miguel Vargas. What did you Vargas... expect from him? What did you What did you expect Once from him, Kevin? As we're judging everything, we got what we we got what we expected from him. I don't think we did. I think he was like a 250, 260 hitter his entire career, and then this season he, he hit wasn't he two twelve was or two. He wasn't our he wasn't our choice to be a short to be our shortstop. He was the, he I was the, care. he is a bench I, player. That was what he was supposed to do. I still hold him to a higher standard based off his previous resume. I mean, this is a guy that hit close <clears throat> to 20 home runs in his heyday. Disrespect. This is like Jimmy Rollins territory. He was dreadful. They're going to replace him ASAP, whether it's with Lux or a different shortstop. Yeah, the they should season. replace him. He's not a starting, he's not a starting caliber shortstop. But he was his entire career. With Miami. Yeah, I think he played more third base in, in Miami. But yeah, I no, he didn't. He was a shortstop. No, no, he, he was their shortstop. I think he I think he was more of a utility guy, wasn't he? In Miami in those early years. Maybe early, but his last few years he was a great A defensive shortstop. If I remember he, him. I remember him saving Kershaw's no hitter at third base. That's what I remember. Yeah, he back did in with the dog. Yeah, I don't need to talk about Miguel Rojas all night, but he needs to do better than like a six six or a sixty six OPS plus the six twelve OPS. Um, he was such a great leader that the Dodgers did win a single playoff game, and that Miguel Vargas spent his entire second half in AAA. Well, Miguel Rojas, eh, you're fired as a leader. Enjoy, enjoy Kansas City. I'm sending them all to Kansas City. I'm over we, it. We we still have him. I know they gave him an extension. Year. Well, we're going to trade him. And I don't understand why they did that, but here 
we are. All right, let's Bucks, move on I to the rest of the hitters. Let's let's wrap all this right, up. Here we go. Rest of the hitters. Here we go. Uh, Max Muncie. Uh, I'm going to give him an A minus. Um, he had a pretty slow year uh, until he really picked it up in the second half. Another 30 plus home run season. I think that's four for him out of five years with the Dodgers. That's pretty impressive. 105 RBIs, one of the four players to have over 100 RBIs. So he gets an A minus. Uh, the minus being uh, the fact that he also didn't show up in the postseason. David Peralta. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, didn't really expect much from him. We what we got was uh kind of subpar. Much. We got uh, not much. subpar. I'm gonna give him a C plus. Um, I, I just felt like he could have done more. Um, 675 OPS. Only seven home runs, 55 runs batted in. We expected more from him. He was supposed to be our starting left fielder. But again, like, what? why are we making him our starting left fielder? He should not be that. Uh, poverty. Um, poverty. Poverty. So C plus for him. Uh, James Outman, I'm giving a, uh, well, I'm going to do like a B plus slash A minus. I thought he had a really great rookie season. He's going to finish tops in the, uh, uh, in the uh, NL Rookie of the Year voting. Um, had a horrendous postseason. That catch was just horrendous. The missed catch, uh, the first play of the game, uh, behind Kershaw. So he gets a B plus a minus Mookie bets. Um, it's tough. I mean, it's an a minus for me because he had a great regular season and he's going to finish tops in the MVP voting, but just a freaking goose egg in the playoffs. Just he's been bad for three seasons now. Um, just, just really, really horrendous, uh, God, awful, just terrible. Needs to be better, him and Freddie. Um, and then to round it out, J.D. Martinez, I'm giving him an A+. We didn't expect much from him, but he got gave us 103 RBIs and 33 home runs. And he was the only hitter in the playoffs to hit a home run. So he gets an A-plus for me because, Jesus, Fair. what we expected from him and what we got far exceeded expectations from me. I actually agree with almost all those grades. Um, I'm a little harsher though. Max Muncy, B minus, 212 hitter. Yeah. Not good enough for me. David Peralta, he gets a D. Like just watching David Peralta every day as the Dodgers left fielder, amazing he got nominated for a gold glove. That's his only silver lining, I guess. But watching him try to hit game after game, he gets a D because I felt like a dookie was getting laid on my chest. He was just abysmal. Like, my God, David Peralta was below 700 OPS. He reeked, honestly. At the end of the day, David Peralta just reeked. James Altman, he gets a B. He struck out too much. Mookie Betts, A+. I'm not going to let three games ruin the entirety of an amazing season by Mookie oh, Betts. Kevin. Oh, oh Kevin. Now, now, now you let three games. Bro. You need to now stop, bro. You need okay. to stop what? right there. You... You are you have been so harsh on literally everybody that you've gone after tonight. How the hell are you giving Mookie Betts an A plus? Uh, he didn't get you know, one hit in the playoffs. You talk about does a Ronald Acuna Jr. not get an A plus. What's wrong with LA media? Too he does not get an A plus either. <laughs> He's going to be MVP. Of course, he gets an A plus. No, he doesn't. Because guess what? <laughs> Both the Dodgers and the Braves got knocked out in the division series, which is embarrassing. Fine. I'm not going to object to that. Like, yeah, those last three games were terrible by Mookie Betts. He should probably lose a letter grade. But at the end of the day, he's going to probably finish second in MVP. If I'm just looking at his entirety of the season, 
it was an amazing campaign and I'm not going to let an entire organizational failure, because I'm going to say it every time, put a damper on a remarkable year by Mookie Betts. And last but not least, J.D. Martinez, A-plus as well. Maria G says Acuna had hits in the postseason. Yeah, at least he had some hits. Yeah, 143 hitter. Wow, whoop-de-doo. Yeah, that's better than what did Mookie hit? Zero? Nothing, dude. 0 for 11, I think he was like on base with a walk and an error. He's been he's been terrible since the 2021 NLCS. Yeah. Just been, bad. Yeah. No, for whatever reason, these last few years um, have just not been good in, in October. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he constantly escapes. He constantly escapes the criticism. We want to put it on Roberts. We want to put it on Friedman. We want to put it on everything else. He's not doing what Bryce Harper's doing. I'm sorry to say he's not. Well, he's not doing what Jordan Harper is doing. He's not doing what Corey Seager or Adelise Garcia just did. He's not doing even what Cattell Marte is doing with the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, and if any of y'all in that chat don't like it, I don't really care. Facts are facts. Fact is, Mookie had an incredible rookie season. Uh, or I'm sorry, not rookie season. He had an incredible uh, regular season. And he had, he was probably good in his rookie season too. Probably going to be a finalist. I agree with you, Kev, as for MVP. That shouldn't take away what I'm not judging. I'm not judging that comment. I'm judging the fact that, you know, I make a case for Lance Lynn. Oh, he was trash. Look what he did in game three. I make a case for someone. Oh, he was trash. Look at, look at the Arizona series. But yet you're trying to make that argument for Mookie. It just, it doesn't really make sense. For, to me, to me, that's that's because a double Mookie standard. That Betts was great the entire regular season. Lance Lynn was not. But I'm turning your own argument that you're doing on everybody onto you, and you're kind of avoiding it in a way. I don't think I've really deducted anyone bad grades because of their postseason. I was just reflecting on their regular seasons, to be honest. Miguel Rojas, David- I didn't even mention the postseason. I just mentioned he was mediocre in the regular season. Same with David Peralta. Same with Noah Syndergaard. Same with Miguel Vargas. I feel yeah. like I was pretty honest. Well, no. so, so that, I mean, were we supposed to factor in the, the, the postseason or not? Yeah, it's complete. I, yeah, I literally said, I'm not going to let the three games ruin my outcome of what Mookie Betts did. You're entitled to allow it to affect well, you. What did you give that? Freddie Freeman? I gave uh, just him an A, a. You- just an A. Yeah, and I think Mookie deserves an A as well. Okay, I gave Mookie an A minus, and the then, only reason yeah. was because of the playoffs. Yeah. That's I said Freeman. We're, we're just that. It just feels different. <laughs> what I'm going to say about David Peralta as well as Jason Hayward, these guys were better than expected. And Peralta early in the year, I know Peralta's season didn't end well, but what he did for the majority of the year, the toughness, the edge, he he was the one guy. I'll be honest with you, that David when it Peralta. was a clutch home run That's game, two on, yeah. He was the guy I wanted at the plate because he could just get a hit in big moments. Same with Jason Hayward. Like these guys did a fantastic job defensively. They did a fat, fantastic job in the clubhouse and they did much better than expected. And maybe it was a low bar that they exceeded, but these guys reminded people why they've been such good players in their careers. And at this point in their season, in their mid thirties, mid to late thirties, whatever ages they are to be able to be that productive on a team where you had a lot of moving parts, a lot of injuries, a lot of changing parts, another guy, two guys that brought stable that were stabilizing forces in that lineup, similar to what Miller Lynn and, and even Emmett Sheehan were to the rotation. I just, I, I just think that the, the grades, what I base it on is the, the caliber of 
player and what you expect from yeah. them, right? So, so I'm grading on a curve when I talk about Miguel Rojas versus what I'm what what I'm grading for a guy like David Peralta because I expected more from David Peralta. Sure, he was a starting, I, but starting he didn't do left shit in the second half. Jump. If we're but being Jake, honest. but Jake yeah, also figured runs in second the half. last couple of years. No, he was bad. I no, no, I just want to point this out about Peralta as well as Hayward. Their last couple of years were not good, whether it be Tampa and Arizona for Peralta or Chicago for Jason Hayward. Outside, I mean, they were terrible offensively. So looking at it, like I said, a low bar, they exceeded those expectations. Seven home runs and 55 RBIs for a guy that I mean, who expected that? I expected that's, him I, to, that's, I definitely that's expected pretty much that. the lowest bar you, you can expect from that guy. Yeah, but Jason Hayward, now Jason Hayward, Jason Hayward had a much better season yeah. than David Peralta. Sure. And, right he, and, he, and he had a minor league deal, right? David Peralta had a major league contract. Sure. I, I what I'm saying is Peralta has never been defined by just his power. He he's been defined by driving in runs, batting average, getting on base, and whatnot. I just think in clutch moments. The energy he brought to the team, you got to factor those aspects into Yeah, as well. I did that for and, and he wasn't a liability in left field. He was really good, actually. I, he was. He was yeah. a gold glove finalist, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's why I gave so him a D and not an S. He had the worst season of his career, I think. Like, he had the lowest OPS. He was a, if we're just looking at the first half, I would give David Peralta like a B. I'd give him maybe even a B plus. He was back but the, the second half, for, he was awful. He was nearly the bar for Peralta. The bar for Peralta is different than the bar for Hayward and the bar for Rojas because Peralta was on a major league contract and he was expected to start. Miguel Rojas was not expected to start. And Jason Hayward wasn't guaranteed a deal. So I feel like those bars are different. You got to, I personally, I grade on a curve when it comes to that. Okay. Agree. I mean, it's agree to, to disagree. I hear your points, though. I just think early on in the year, Peralta was really good. Yeah, I think all a right. B is good. I think ultimately he was a B minus, and okay. I think uh, I think Jason Hayward, all things considered, was an A minus to me. Okay. I want to wrap this up by ten. So let's just do Dave Roberts in the front office real quick, and then maybe one more question and final thoughts. Dave Roberts. I wanted him fired, but I'm still giving him a B. He had a really good season overall. He's not going to get fired, obviously. He didn't even really, he didn't cost them either really in the postseason. So he gets a solid B season for me, all things considered. That's all I got to say with Dave Roberts. For Dave Roberts, um, it's tough because the reasons why I would would like to have seen the Dodgers maybe go in a different direction and replace him with someone else is not squarely tied to this season and what he did because he's going to be in the running for manager of the year. He might even win it. And he was great during the regular season. He got this team to hundred wins when they weren't projected to even sniff that. And also they ran away with the division again, which they weren't expected to do. Right. And Dave Roberts kept this group together. He kept them focused and he was able to get the most out of them. Where I where I kind of detract from him is just his whole attitude about the playoffs. There's just something there that just doesn't sound right. You know, the optional workouts and you can go if you want and you can stay at the hotel if you want to. And 
I don't know, not the vibe I want to have as a fan of, of listening to my manager be like, yeah, do what you want to do, whatever. No, I want a guy that gets on the mic and just shows me that he gives a shit if he wins or loses. If he, if he loses, he's, he's, he's pissed. If he wins, he's ecstatic. I just don't get the, get that sense from him. When I hear him talk about this, it's just very much matter of fact. Oh, ho-hum. It's, I, I I want a little fire. I want, I want someone to get upset. So that's where I kind of lose a little bit on him. And I would be willing to kind of split it with a B plus a minus for Dave Roberts. Yeah. I think the grades are at, are accurate. A lot of injuries this year. Your pitching staff was decimated. This was supposed to be a bridge year, right? And really outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, who wins in a bridge year, right? Uh, The fact of the matter was they did surpass expectations considering all the injuries that they had, considering how many rookie pitchers they brought up, the rookie position players that they had, and he did keep it all together, remain positive. Here's, I think, the problem. There's a couple, I'm going to say a couple of things here. One, when, and this goes back to what Justin Turner said a few years ago. I thought this was interesting, that you don't get up for games in October. And I don't just think that's symptomatic of the players. I think that's also for the, the manager, as well as the coaches, as well as the front office. They have become so used to winning, right? And this kind of happened with the Braves. And stop saying the 90s Braves. Look a little further down the road, early 2000s Braves, still winning the division, but what was the difference? They weren't going to LCSs anymore. They were getting eliminated from 01 to 04. I'm sorry, 01 to 05. They got eliminated in the LDS four or five straight years under Bobby Cox. And I think at times it's like you become so used to winning, you think it's just going to follow you into October. And guess what? You never change your approach. There's that hunger that's missing. There's the tenacity that's missing. There's that intensity that's missing. And while it's also symptomatic with Mookie and Freddie, your leaders, it's also there, or I should say not there, with Dave Roberts. So that's where I don't think there was an obvious move that cost them this series, but I think definitely think they would benefit from one or two things. And I hate to say this. They would benefit from missing the playoffs one year oh God. to give them in the butt or playing in the wild card round. Because think about it. Maybe. The last time they had to play in a wild card game or a winner take all 2021 and 2018, what happened? 2018, they rode that wave to the World Series. 2021, it got them to within two yep. wins of, of, of another NL pennant. All right. I got to pull a Tony Reale here. Let's move on to the front office. I'll go last. All right, I'll go first. The front office. They compiled a hundred win team. Whoop de doo. It's no small feat, but you know, I say whoop de doo because here we are again. You know, eliminated early from the playoffs. They didn't. They didn't build a roster that could withstand October, and we got exposed so badly in, in every facet except for the bullpen. We were exposed in so many different ways. Yeah. So that's why my grade will be as, as critical as it is um, because I feel like they put a good enough team to win the regular season, but not the postseason, obviously. So I'm going to give the front office a, I'm going to give them a, like a C plus slash B minus. Um, I just, I just wasn't happy. The, the fact that they, even though we were kind of gearing up for this Otani thing, like 
I just wish that we wouldn't have quote unquote wasted a year. Uh, and I'm not saying that they wasted a year, but it seems like they weren't as aggressive as they should have been mm-hmm. uh, at the, at the deadline. Because yeah. I, if you have a chance to win the world series and the Dodgers continually do, I want, I want my team to be focused on winning it every single year. And it just feels like this year just didn't have that feel. So B minus C plus. Yeah. I mean, it was clearly 2015 or 2016 again, a a look ahead year where they were just kind of, that's why I'm giving them a C. They were kind of putting a competitive roster on the field, but what's the point if you're not going all in the off season, I honestly didn't have too much of a problem with it at first. But in hindsight, there was too much betting on reclamation projects. Noah Syndergaard, what good did he do? He was horrible. The Alex Reyes, the JP Fireisens, the Blake Tridents. Like, why are we throwing bags at guys Daniel that Hudson. weren't even going to – you can throw him in there as well. Why are we throwing the bag at guys that just weren't going to really provide much value or pitch for the Dodgers this season? You take that 10 to $15 million or whatever, you throw that at a good – starting pitcher with 13 million of Noah Syndergaard's salary. That's 28 million or whatever right there. That's an ace. The the trade deadline was just a colossal failure. I'll say it time after time again. Lance Lynn was a band-aid move. He was never going to move the needle to win a championship. You're not going to win a World Series with Lance Lynn as one of your horses in the postseason in the year 2023. That's just the reality. Sorry, David, who, who's probably going to listen back. Sorry, Chris, as well. If you because I know we're also Team Lynn. Ahmed Rosario, Kike Hernandez, those are cute moves. They're fine. But uh, again, none of these guys really just moved the needle. They needed a big splash at the trade deadline because we thought we were going against the Atlanta Braves, which clearly didn't happen either. But it's no surprise that the four teams that reached the championship series were the most aggressive at the trade deadline. It's just not a coincidence. The Phillies were aggressive. They got starting pitching. They addressed the bullpen. The Arizona Diamondbacks picked up Tommy Pham. They got a closer in Seawald. Then, of course, the Texas Rangers traded for Jordan Montgomery and Max Scherzer, and the Astros got Justin Verlander. So there you go. Andrew Freeman tried to get Eduardo Rodriguez and slipped and fell like Charlie Brown. It was embarrassing. Yeah, uh, real quick. I, I think the grades are pretty accurate. I think I think a B-plus is solid. I actually disagree. I think they had a pretty solid deadline. Uh, I thought P.K. Hernandez and Ahmed Rosario were solid moves at the time. Gave you some depth. This was one of the deeper teams. Because remember, you guys, uh, we were talking about last year how, how much, really the last two years, had no depth off the bench. It's like if you wanted to bench guys, you were going to lose a lot either defensively or with offensive production, but with Rosario – uh, and Kike Hernandez and what the and Peralta and Hayward, you know, what they did in the offseason, it really made this team a deeper squad. So I really liked what they did. Yeah, the pitching aspect, the Eduardo Rodriguez thing did not work out. Could they have been more aggressive and gone after Verlander or Scherzer? Sure. But once again, this was also about uh, maintaining for the future and being in the Otani hunt. This is before we found out about the Tommy John thing. Not to say the Dodgers aren't, aren't out of that race, but it's like, we want to maintain our resources to make a big splash going into next year. So let's just try to get better on the margins. And I think that was the story of the whole season. However, I also don't didn't, didn't like the fact that Rosario was left off the NLDS roster. I thought that was the kind of guy who could have been Bryson Stott-esque, Cattell Marte-esque, you know what I mean? Instead of Colton Wong, who, you know, yeah, he's got some postseason experience, but hasn't really been hitting the last few years. So I just think, 
it, this goes back to the tenacity, the mentality, you know, the mentality aspect of it. And it just wasn't there, but overall they, they, they once again do the best shopping at Salvation Army or at Ross when they, when they're shopping for these players. And they did that again, this yeah, year. Pay for. And uh, that was it. So, you know, we'll see what they do Chris, next year. Chris, you're a dreamer and I love you for that, but Almond Rosario wasn't going to make the difference in the postseason. You're snorting all kinds of drugs. If you thought he was going to be a hero <laughs> for the Dodgers. Well, I I'm also not crushing everyone because, you know, collectively they were all bad in, in, in the three games, like certain people are, but I'm not going to say who I'm just saying, you need to know how to how to put out your roster and look at the guys on the four teams. I know Houston got eliminated tonight. Look at the four teams. Look at a lot of the guys that delivered for those teams. It okay. hasn't just been the, the stars. Look at the Mitch Garvers. Look at the, the Jonah Himes. I know Himes was an all-star, but still, it's those kind of guys that you don't expect to come through that normally come through. You know, and I could list a whole a whole bunch of them through the years that have come through for respective championship teams. Remember Travis Ishikawa, 2014 uh, San Francisco Giants, you know, 2012 San Francisco Giants, those types of guys, the Juan Uribe's of the world, veterans like Edgar Renteria, you know, uh, it just, it's those kind of guys that usually end up making the difference. And I think Rosario could have fit that mold. Yes, may not have saved the Dodgers season, Kev, but that type of mentality, I like the tough players because those are the guys that run toward a boarding building, not out of it, like a lot of the Dodger players did. All right, we got a few minutes left. Michael Carrillo has been begging us to do some trade proposals, so we're going to do that right now. Um, If your trade proposal involves Mike Trout, because Mad Max underscore A underscore million 2018 thinks the Dodgers should trade for Mike Trout, so if that's your trade proposal, feel free to throw that out there. But does anyone here have a trade proposal on their mind they think the Dodgers should pull off? Well, hmm. I mean, I mean, we talked about Corbin Burns earlier. I think that he would be a, a fantastic guy to target. Who I would give up for him? It it depends on what we think about our catchers. And I always go back to this because we have a surplus of amazing catchers, and I don't know how we feel about them, and if we feel like like a Diego Cartaya could be let go or a Michael Bush could be packaged in a deal for Corbin Burns or could be like a Diego Cartaya and a Miguel Vargas. Um, those guys, I feel bad for Michael Bush. It doesn't seem like he's got uh, a position to play. Um, he's not a very good third baseman from what, from what I've heard uh, in terms of his defensive skills. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know where he fits in. So I feel like the Dodgers might need to sell you know, high on this guy while, while he's still one of the top prospects in the majors. I mean, the, in the, uh, in the, coming up in the minors. For sure. Uh, you got anything, Chris, as far as trade ideas, um, you know, if you want to revisit, you know, we talked about the, the hole out there in left field. If you want to revisit a trade talks with the pirates with Brian Reynolds and, I would consider this is just me now. Maybe I'm, I'm because he's a little bit more of an established threat, and I think this could be a good, really good pitcher for the nucleus moving forward. Mitch Keller, I think he that is a really nice piece under team control for for a couple more seasons. Um, I'm not sure if Pittsburgh worked out an extension with him or they're going to work out an extension with him. 
could be very pricey. Um, but I, I definitely think that shores up, gives you a right-handed bat, shores up your outfield, and shores up your rotation. Because let's be honest, guys, going into next year, a lot of question marks with the rotation. How's Bueller going to look? Are Miller and Sheehan and Stone and those guys going to continue to develop? How's Pepio? Can Pepio continue on the trajectory that he's on? At least with a guy like Keller, you kind of know he's getting, he's more established than those other guys, could stabilize the rotation, still be young enough and under team control. I think that's I think that's a solid option. Yeah, I mean, some other names that have been thrown out in the chat, chat i like are jesus lazardo Tarek scubal um those guys are really good i i like that i i like the idea of going for a lefty uh mm-hmm. because the dodgers aren't going to have one next yeah, season right. um yeah. so i i i would i would like to see about those i mean obviously we also talked about yeah. jordan montgomery being so, a free agent yeah so i'm i forget who the listener was in the chat two episodes ago when the dodgers were down 2-0 who said randy or rosarena so if you're there please Call yourself out because I want to commemorate you. Andrew Freeman needs to call the Tampa Bay Rays and not only bring over Randy Arozarena, but also throw in a guy like Pete Fairbanks, who's a really good high leverage reliever who can throw gas because the Dodgers always need to replenish their bullpen. Anyways, so what does a trade package for that combo probably look like? Michael Bush, pack your bags. You're going. Um, I hate to say it, but one of Emmett Sheehan or Gavin Stone, you're probably in the package. So pack your bags. Then we're going to have some lower guys in there. Landon Knack, you got to probably throw him in there because they're going to have to add him to the 40-man roster anyways, or he'll go in the Rule 5. So Landon Knack, adios. And then they're going to throw in some random like hitter probably too that we don't expect. Or maybe they throw in a position player. I don't know. Maybe they want to absorb the rest of Chris Taylor's salary or Max Muncy. Uh, Either one of them, I'm good with trading them. I think Randy Rosarena is the stabilizing force in left field. I assume that's where he would play for the Dodgers or maybe center. I don't know that the Dodgers lack and he's just an animal in the postseason. I would love that. That would be amazing. Um, and we'd win the off season with that. And you know, if we, and, and, and Otani and we sign Otani. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Sign me up. I, I just hope that, I just hope that the Dodgers are, are aggressive and, and they, and, and they just, they, they, they stock up on these, on these really good players. I, I really like that. The, the, players who are no, hungry and bring an attitude and an edge and are going to bring a, a tenacity. That's what's also missing. Stop with the all shucks, nice guys and the families and the kids. That's all well and good. Let's be honest, guys. Dodger fans don't care about any of that. We're not trying to win a character contest here. Trying to win baseball games. That's what this is about. Yeah. It's about yeah. winning. And I'm not saying get it, be, have troublemakers off the field, but guys that are going to bring an attitude is not the worst thing in the world onto the field. I mean, like I said at the beginning, like I said at the beginning, if they're not going to make any changes to the front office or the coaching staff, which it sounds like they aren't, then they need to change the roster because that's yeah. the only thing else that, that, that can be changed. Um, so they have to be aggressive. They have to make this roster as good as it can be and not these sort of band-aid approaches that they've had the past two seasons. And to answer uh, Max's question on Instagram, I don't think the Dodgers are going to trade for Mike Trout. Just don't see that happening. Maria G, this will be our final question. Then let's final thoughts this out. Who wins tomorrow, the Phillies or the Diamondbacks? Anyone have any bold picks? I think the, I think the Phillies are, I think the Phillies are going to win it. Um, I just the, don't yeah, see the same. I don't, I don't see how the, how the diamondbacks can win two in a row at the bank. 
I just I just feel like that place is going to be rocking and the Phillies just know when to rise to the occasion and they're they they play so well at that ballpark they're going to be motivated. I'll be honest, Brandon Fott has surprised me. That I talk about a guy meeting the moment. Um he's been fantastic, but Ranger Torres is a gamer and um I I definitely think and Wheeler's Phillies- available I think they said. Sure, but it's going to be Torres that at least goes through the lineup I would say the ideal position for Ranger Suarez is three, maybe four innings tops and then turn it over to Wheeler and then the big arms in that bullpen. Uh, but if Fott feels some pressure like Javier did, remember Javier was dominant in the postseason up until tonight, the pressure got to him early. I think that's what the Phillies have to do. They got to jump on Brandon Fott early. If they do that, Phillies will be in a position and that'll, that'll be some world series Phillies in Texas. It's, it's what I wanted. Well, as soon as the Dodgers got eliminated, that's what I wanted. Good call. Um, I don't really have any final thoughts. Like I teased earlier, we'll have the third annual Incline Award nominations out probably in a few weeks for you guys to vote. Um, this is kind of the sleepiest time of the baseball season for me, to be honest, because I don't really care who wins the World Series at this point now that the Astros are out. Give it to Corey Seager, I guess. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in NBA mode starting tomorrow, but I will keep, be keeping up with the off season. And just to throw it out there, Lakers Celtics, that's my finals pick. Hmm. That's my final thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my final thoughts is I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Dodgers construct this roster. I think it's, I, I, I think, and I hope it's going to be a lot different and a lot better uh, and a lot more focused on the postseason. I know Andrew Freeman says that they're, are no, are no such things as postseason performers, but you got to be stupid not to know that. I mean, he's got to know that. I think he was just being coy or whatever, but I think he's going to get us some players that, that are going to be dogs in the postseason. And I don't just think that at the outset of the, or sorry, the in the preseason or before, before the um, spring training starts, but I also believe that at the trade deadline because it's a make or break year. It's a make or break year for this, for this team. Could be a make or break year for Friedman, but it definitely is a make or break year for Dave Roberts. Yeah, agreed. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. If you're not already a subscriber on our YouTube page or on the audio feeds of Apple, Spotify, or whatever, hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, give us five stars, follow us on social media, join the Discord. You can find that in the description below as well. Um, that's all I really got to say other than Lance Lynn. Enjoy Oakland, buddy. Peace out. Can't wait for you to be declined, asshole. And that's the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are out. Yes. Um. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.